The sad thing is we have a whole new branch of the military that might be perfectly designed to assess what these things are and figure out if they're a threat or not and maybe respond. If there was ever a reason to have Space Force, this might be it. I've never seen one before. Okay. That's shocking at first. The acceptance of the idea is, is something you thought only, only children and fools believed in. It undermines your beliefs yourself in the world but then you come to understand understand what we had a perfect conspiracy alien race kept secret for over 50 years ever since the crash of Roswell hi welcome to Media Roots Radio you're about to hear the second part of our UFO PSYOPs episode. This episode is titled PNAC Foo Fighters, Hypersonic Arms Race, and Alien Folklore, Mental Terror. We start by talking about what kind of technologies are being displayed in these UFO sightings. If we take the eyewitness accounts at face value, Abby and I then move on to how this could be used to enrich the goal to militarize space. We also discuss the psychological terror that's been inflicted on us by this increased mainstreaming of the potential of extraterrestrial visitors. And then finally, we conclude with the people who are the most prescient about the militarization of space and how these same people are the same neocons that Media Roots has been talking about forever from the project for the new American century. And seemingly they came up with the concept of space force. And in the document rebuilding America's defenses, they go into what that would look like. So hope you enjoy part two of this episode. And again, thank you for being a subscriber to Media Roots Radio. Holographic technology is one thing that I've thought of. If these things are moving faster than what's physically possible, what if there's some kind of holographic technology? What if they can disturb matter, but they're not, you know, they're not really actually physically there in the way that we understand? I mean, I'm not saying this is alien technology. I'm saying, what if someone else is playing with this technology, such as the U.S. military? And one type of technology that it that comes to mind for me is this idea of claytronics. This so the concept is that you can have something that's basically a hologram, but that it is that it can actually be physical tactile that you can touch it. That it's actually something you can like make a hologram and then make it physical. 
and it's done by like a cloud of miniature computers. That's obviously something that's really far off. That would still require something to be using the laws of physics, you know, like a cloud of miniature computers that could form a physical hologram would be something that would still have to like operate within our, you know, the known possibilities of laws of physics. So that doesn't necessarily fit with what's being described with the Tic Tac. One other thing that comes to mind for me is this idea of the Schrodinger's cat paradox, what Einstein called spooky movement from a distance, this concept that exists in quantum physics that's still not fully explained of why electrons can communicate with each other instantaneously, no matter how far apart they are. Like, I don't, and I'm not exaggerating. If you're not familiar with this concept, you can take two electrons and put them as far apart as you want, meaning millions of light years apart. And somehow these electrons can communicate with each other instantaneously. That basically means we don't understand something fundamentally about the way that our perception of like space and distance works. We have either it's our perception is locked into this weird matrix that's completely encoded to us, kind of like almost like a hologram would be. And by a hologram, I mean like an old school hologram done on like holographic film. If you look at a piece of holographic film, it looks just like noise. It looks like nothing. But when you project the beam through it, then it makes an actual hologram. So it's sort of like, and that uses an analog process. So what I'm saying is, this technology could be exploiting something that is inherent to our laws of physics, but is operating within a realm of physics that we don't even really understand yet, like quantum physics. Um, and by that, I don't even mean space travel, because I, like I said, I think the concept of that even if you believe in aliens, even if you buy into this concept, the idea that they would be traveling thousands of light years or millions of light years using some kind of craft that uses propulsion even like warp speed propulsion seems like a human concept doesn't seem like something that you know we might our our thinking about this i think will completely change once technology advances is basically what i'm saying so that's the only things that come to mind for me i mean other than that i don't i don't think if there is aliens like if it is some kind of off world species or something i don't think that they're from another galaxy or physically from another planet. I think they're like some, just something that's like from some kind of other reality. I mean, that would be my only, <laughs> you know, if I was really going to go in that direction. So I don't, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really connect to any of like the generic UFO or like a gray alien stuff that's been throughout our, our culture. But what do you, what do you think? I mean, what comes to mind for you? Um, I totally agree with you. I think that the last possibility is the fact that there are extraterrestrial beings visiting us from another planet um i yeah, think that's of course least there's likely. alien life it's yeah it's like it's like of course the concept of aliens is you know you'd have to be extremely naive to think that there isn't life out there i mean we you know i don't have to go into the actual probability breakdown of um of the concept of alien life existing somewhere in the universe uh, but in terms of having visited our planet in the ways that are, we've been describing is completely out of the realm of possibility to me. Um, you know, the holographic universe theory and what you're talking about in terms of not comprehending actual the laws of physics that do exist in terms of Schrodinger's cat and 
and the spooky energy theory by Einstein. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something going on that we can't explain. You know, you hear things about um, supernatural phenomenon, just immediately assume that like ghosts are real instead of actually thinking that there's something that that we just don't understand yet, you know, in terms of our reality, um, that would be much more possible to me. Um, There's something called Fata Morgana, which is like a floating mirage type effect. I mean, this, this could also just be like the natural phenomenons that a lot of this stuff could be explained as. Um, But there was like this weird video coming out of China that showed like a floating city Mm -hmm. that looked like, like a, like a heaven. You know, and like everyone was freaking the fuck out. There was like billions of people commenting on this. And that is that is something called Fata Morgana, which is basically like when you think that you see water driving in the desert because the temperature is hotter than above the ground. Um, I don't think that that's what's happening at all. But it just shows you that there's a lot of things that that can play tricks on us. Um, But then it comes to, okay, what is this TikTok thing? And what are these other things like the mass hallucination that these kids had, the 62 children? I believe them. I believe all of these people. So the question becomes, what what is happening here? Is it something like a mass hallucination? If that are if that's true, that has to be weaponized in some form. Is that some sort of military technology that's then seeding the narrative to make people think that they're seeing this? So then it can be used and exploited to then pursue a certain agenda. So is that is that what's happening? You know, the TikTok craft was that imposed holographically or or some sort of claytronics thing this programmable matter that you're talking about which seems like it's completely centuries off of what we're capable of doing oh, yeah. however is it i mean i don't know we're talking about nanoscale like robotics and computer science that can do this like make a hologram an actual physical object based on these microcomputers seems fucking crazy and like total science fiction nonsense but apparently it is a possible thing that they're developing. So you have to imagine like anything that we know exists now, we're decades off of what actually is out there. Like Whitney Webb talked about an Israeli military uh, technology that's now going commercial where you can beam actual sounds into your mind, going back to like the microwave energy weapons that they're now claiming have affected all these diplomats and stuff like that actually is on the commercial market. So if you're, you know, you, if people actually think that like they're being telepathically communicated to from aliens, that actually is something that the government or CIA or military could make you think based on the 100%. technology that's out there right now. It can be beamed into your fucking head. Well, that's like, I, I mean, it's just, it's just so fucking crazy. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's hard to know because I don't actually, I'm not like science minded, but I do think that there is something obviously that we can't explain and it could also just be advanced u.s military technology um that is decades ahead of from where we think it is but even so it is very hard to imagine that even with advanced weaponry or technology like that that an object could just flip you yeah. know turn 180 degrees and then like essentially disappear or fly but out then of the again water. but then again there's the hypersonic arms race well, yeah. Like whenever you hear these people talking about um, the crafts and UFOs and stuff, it's like it always goes back to this idea that they're developing hypersonic energy technology that already, ding, 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 China and Russia have apparently advanced more than us, which I do not believe at all. 
in conjunction with the UFO rollout, there's also commentary when this is talked about, about hypersonic weapons. Um, and it basically, according to Forbes, I'm reading from Forbes right now, it says these weapons can deliver nuclear and conventional payloads while moving at speeds and altitudes that allow them to be undetectable by current anti-missile systems. So they're claiming China and Russia have already developed and fielded hypersonic weapons, which basically means traveling five times the speed of sound. Five to ten times, apparently. Five to ten times the speed of sound following highly erratic flight paths. It's a technology that's just completely crazy. I had no idea it was actually like out there because traditionally, you know, nuclear weapons are launched by either ballistic missiles um, which is just a very straightforward trajectory that makes them like easy to track, you know, or um, from from a jet engine propulsion. So like cruise missiles being launched from the ground, air or sea by jet engine propulsion. Um, and those can also be tracked and potentially targeted and destroyed. So this is this is a new technology that essentially is like an untrackable thing that can appear almost like an instantaneous field in terms of its trajectory. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it, in a way it kind of changes the whole game in terms of mad. It's sort of like star Wars. Let's break down the different possibilities of why they're, why this is being rolled out now and why this is being covered so differently than it has been in the past. So one of the main things that comes to mind for me, and I talked about this on Whitney's podcast is this idea that it's sort of psychological warfare geopolitically like Star Wars, that there needs to be some idea out there that there is this unknown threat that maneuvers faster than anything we're capable of in order to create an excuse for a new arms race for hypersonic weapons or directed energy weapons or even microwave weapons, which I was talking about earlier, can apparently cause brain damage. And who knows what that can do in terms of like like what you said, releasing DMT in your brain. What if you figured out how to like tune something like that into that frequency and then just shoot it at like 30 people? What would that do? DMT trips actually seem to sort of be similar. There's a lot of similar things people describe. So that is one way you can maybe give someone a mass delusion. Yeah, and, and specifically that when you had your DMT trip, people all concur about like, actually feeling like they do visit aliens. Absolutely, 100%. And that's 100%. like a universal thing whenever people take a certain dose. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the main things that we need to think about here. Is the military allowing this to be rolled out like this? Is the mainstream media covering this? Because the mainstream media is also in bed with a lot of the defense companies. Are they covering it like this because this is some excuse for a new militarization of space race type of thing? or even just a new kind of weapons race with hypersonic or more advanced weaponry. That to me seems very likely because, you know, Space Force, of course, was something that happened during the Trump administration. And this seems to kind of perfectly go along with that. It feeds into a fear, actually, that even if this isn't aliens or whatever, this means it could be our foreign adversary. So we still need to figure out a way to go faster than these things. So it, it does sort of automatically create the need for an increase in the arms race. So that's really, to me, really fascinating. Now, that would be psychological warfare for geopolitical purposes. What about psychological warfare for domestic purposes, uh, stoking fear or manipulating our emotions or 
playing on just these deep-seated cultural fears about abductions, you know, X-Files, communion, this primal fear that there's, you know, that while you're sleeping in bed, that something that moves faster than the laws of physics can come and these creatures can like kidnap you and do experiments on you <laughs> and then bring you back. Well, it, really, mean, it really hits you in your gut, right? Because this is something that transcends just a normal fear about crime or a car accident or whatever. It's like, or death. I mean, this is something that you can't explain. Therefore it's, it's, Makes you feel it's powerless. It's incomprehensible fear. Yeah, exactly. It, it transcends everything else, which almost might be the effect and purpose of this is because it goes back to the whole folklore of like, if aliens visit us, the world will be united against them instead of like focusing on your government or each other. You know, it's all about, it's all about just relinquishing your control and just trusting your government and being like, you just do whatever you have to do to fight this existential threat that we can't understand. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll also you could think of it as making Americans feel like they have a, a less security and confidence in just U.S. national security in general. So similar to how nine eleven made people feel as if the U.S. government was incompetent and couldn't stop the four planes from reaching their targets. This so this idea that the U.S. government just incapable of doing anything about these advanced, super fast flying UFOs. I mean. That sort of makes that takes away a sense of security, national security, on a sort of an identity level of how we feel as Americans. But even just on an emotional, personal level, that lack of that feeling of losing security or confidence in yourself and like your space being invaded, it's psychologically jarring to now be able to believe that what if aliens do exist and like what's going to happen to me, like. This is not even just that national security is at risk. This is almost like my own inner security is like a human being. It's confusing and strange. Oh, yeah. And, and also just the fact that this was already determined so long ago because of Project Blue Book was an actual government program that was investigating thousands of UFO sightings and closed down because they concluded there was no evidence that indicated that any of these sightings, even though a, a, a high amount were unidentified and were not explained they basically said there is absolutely no evidence and and it was beyond the realm of possibility that these were extraterrestrial vehicles or creatures and it just completely shut down which is so fascinating fast forward to today that they're leaving that possibility open they're not going out there and saying we don't know what this is we can't explain it but we know that it's not this like what we're saying right now like that's a ridiculous notion that aliens are here and that they're on these crafts that's crazy um but but it's something that we we still are trying to figure out no they're leaving that shit open dude every single news report every single neocon every single cia official that's going out there they're leaving open the realm of possibility that these are extraterrestrials visiting us from other solar systems i mean that that to me is like fucking nuts man and like, it really, it really is. is, it's so, it's so crazy in the sense that you're talking about like our inner security and also like the domination of the U.S. empire. Now the U.S. empire isn't the dominant force on the planet. There's something out there. It, it's, it's not within our military. And here we are thinking, Robbie, here, here we are criticizing the U.S. empire, criticizing imperialism, trying to fight against it. But oh my God, it, the U.S. empire isn't the biggest threat anymore on the planet. There's something else out there now. And that's, that's absolutely right. And that's, and you can even add China into the mix. That's already what they're trying to do 
with China. They never really were able to do that with Russia to make it believable that Russia somehow could put their hand into our country and like drastically change our culture. They did it in this like roundabout way by making it seem like they got Trump elected. But with China, they're making it seem like that China just has complete control over us, that like we're not in control anymore. Our empire is really like this weak thing that China just already like strong arming in every regard. So to add this on top of that, I mean, it is really interesting to think of what that just does psychologically to people who are more attached to their national identity with the United States. And I guess one other way to look at this is sort of that these are all real and unexplained things, that we take them all at face value, everything we've been told in these new media reports. That's one, I guess, possibility here. Let's just throw that one out there. One, I, have, I, I tend to lean towards this possibility to a large degree, is that this is some kind of limited hangout where it's a partial mixture of some truth and omitted information or it's deliberately crafted to sort of shape a particular narrative. Fravor doesn't seem like he's lying, uh, but it's possible that he has seen something that is being shown to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In that sense, by what I mean is like that the, maybe there's experimental military technology that's being used to make pilots see things, to trick them. And maybe that's part of how they, ex how they test these things to see how believable they are. I have no idea. That's one possibility. Uh, what kind of experimental technology we sort of went into that, claytronics, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, this idea that aliens probably would not actually be using interstellar space travel. Uh, they would find a way to probably exploit quantum physics. So who knows what actually is true with what they're saying and what isn't. I don't think that the people saying what they've seen are lying. So to me, that's that could be the truth part of this. And the omitted information could be like, like what you're saying, like, why don't they show us high resolution 4K video? Why is there only grainy, weird video or like a guy holding his cell phone filming a, a radar screen in a ship? You know, what's that? What's with that? It seems like things are being omitted. So that's what I mean by a limited hangout. Even if there was a mass hallucinatory event that we all saw something, I would like, I feel like I would immediately think that there is some sort of like holographic psyop being perpetrated by like, you know, like whatever that that hoaxer, um, that Canadian hoaxer guy that claimed Project Bluebeam was like a real thing. Uh -huh. and he alleged that there was a NASA program in the 60s to simulate like the Antichrist, like the return of Jesus, like a, an artificial second coming from the government to establish a new world order. Um, wow. That was a big thing that Creepy. was floated by Alex Jones and stuff. But it's like the thing, and that was actually hilariously, that was actually an identical concept that was um, formulated by a Star Trek episode about, nice. um, you know, aliens, this this whole like concoction of aliens trying to invade Earth and and basically shatter like religion so then everyone could be united at this like world government idea. But but all jokes aside, like I, I mean... It would be like my first inclination to actually think that it was some sort of big giant psyop because of the technology that I'm sure the government is capable of. Um, and for what but, purpose, though? Yeah, like, right. Oh, no, of course. So, that, so, I, so I totally, that's where my mind goes first, is like that this is some sort of projection or holographic psyop on the people who are seeing this, the military officials who are talking about this, or just advanced weaponry that we don't understand that the U.S. government is developing and that they're trying to deflect and project on U.S. adversaries like China and Russia. Like, no, it has to be them. 
Like why, that's the weird thing is that conclusively all of the reports, all of the mainstream media documentation of this all end with saying we've ruled out our military. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the idea that you already said earlier that there's a lot of articles coming out recently, coincidentally saying that China is leaving us in the dust in terms of their hypersonic weapons capabilities. So you just kind of have to wonder, is this all just sort of playing into that? China's also doing really advanced stuff in space. They just dropped apparently their first Mars rover. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, you know, that a country, another country has another Mars rover like we do. It is starting to seem like that could be going all in that direction. So another possibility here that I just want to throw out is that it could be a mixture of several of the possibilities I mentioned above or all of them mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. combination. Maybe there is some aspect of this that cannot be explained whatsoever. And maybe the military is exploiting aspects of it for, you know, weapons advantage uh, to enrich defense contractors and whatever, and to get a geopolitical advantage over Russia and China. And then maybe it's also psychological warfare to stoke our fears too, to sort of keep us more afraid, um, you know, not just afraid of terrorists and things like that. And China sneaking into our culture and spying on us, but now aliens too, or UFOs. I mean, so it could be, it could be all that stuff combined. And also like the concept of string theory, where there's some sort of interdimensional yeah. things that we don't understand or can't explain. Well, string theory is kind of in the same vein as like the Schrodinger's cat thing where there's an underlying completely different way of viewing the universe that, and there's like obviously like a sub layer to like atoms and what makes up electrons and stuff like that. It could be that it's something that can't be explained, exploiting something in that realm. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. who in the fuck yeah. knows? Yeah, right. It's like, it's like they know that, yeah, it's like they've, they're aware of this. They've been aware of this since as long as we can remember, but they're now deciding, even if they have nothing to do with what people are actually seeing, they are now deciding to exploit the concept and to use it to push some sort of narrative and pursue some sort of agenda. Um, and that that is really creepy because regardless yeah. if they're involved or not, they're still going to use it and weaponize it. A hundred percent. And I think that that's why regardless of how you fall on the spectrum of aliens and UFOs, if you think it's totally real and you're taking all at face value, regardless of that, there is obviously some element of a limited hangout and strategic reason why this is being discussed this way why the military is letting this be, you know, be talked about this way, why these videos are coming out now. There's got to be some explanation to it that's being hidden from us. And I think that's the part that we need to remember. Even if you think the aliens and UFOs are real, that the mm -hmm. U.S. military and military intelligence, military intelligence runs psyops all the time. It's something that even like low-level military intelligence people do. So it just, you should automatically just, I think, be skeptical of why they're letting people talk about this in this way now. Well, especially when you look at PNAC. 100%. So, Robbie, as we're talking about this entire rollout of the UFO narrative by the intelligence community, by the military establishment, and by numerous high-profile politicians at this point, um, it is worth exploring where is this all going? The result inevitably will be um, more militarization and funding into 
the military, right? That's exactly what they're already talking about across all these specials. That's what Marco Rubio was talking about in the 60 Minutes thing, that we need to investigate this. What does that mean? We need to pour billions of more dollars into the military to quote-unquote investigate and to prepare uh, to combat this unexplained aerial phenomenon. Now, people probably remember the Star Wars program that was uh, posed by Ronald Reagan that seemed like some totally pie in the sky, impossible idea to, you know, create this like network of self-defense lasers and electromagnetic magnetic weapons. All of this has been kind of floated around for decades, right, by the neocon establishment. Um, and what's really curious, Robbie, is that it all goes back to the neocons. And it all goes back to this idea, this this Star Wars program, which then manifested into Space Force. So basically, Trump fulfilled the neocon fantasy that was part and parcel with the Project for New American Century document and created a new branch of the military, the first new military branch since the Air Force spun off from the Army in 1947. So this is a huge deal. People like to, uh, you know, laugh at this. There's a like a mocking show called Space Force on HBO, I think, with Steve Carell, and it's just made into a giant joke. But it is a huge deal, not only squandering billions of more dollars into expanding the military, which is bad enough, but there's so many like treaties, international bodies that are being violated as a result of this branch that is trying to weaponize and militarize space. And shockingly enough, this is all embedded and predicted in PNAC's infamous document, Rebuilding America's Defenses. Robbie, what do you think? You know, I went back to Rebuilding America's Defenses at the beginning of all this China ramp up, this anti-China stuff that has been happening since COVID. The same neocons that were behind the blueprints for the Iraq war and sort of the building up of America's defenses after 9-11, people like Paul Wolfowitz, Scooter Libby, Bill Kristol also contributed to this document, Robert Kagan, Fred Kagan, Don Kagan. I also think James Woolsey did as well. Were also some of the first people that I could recall on record talking about how the United States needed what they actually call, this is in PNAC's Rebuilding America's Defenses, U.S. Space Forces. So when I heard about this, I was like, wow, that's crazy that Trump is bringing in one of the main goals of this infamous document that says we need a new catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor to bring in this transformational change that they're basically laying out in this document. And it's a multi-pronged approach to basically how to get to a point where we're rebuilding America's military. And what that means is just basically injecting a lot more money and coming up with a lot more ideas of ways of how we can wage war and get the upper hand to continue being the world's hegemon. And in the establishing paper, what they call the key findings of this document, uh, they list about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine main goals of what should happen in this sort of rebuilding America's defenses plan. And in these nine goals, the, the seventh goal in this rollout says that 
we must control the new, quote, international commons of space and, quote, cyberspace and pave the way for the creation of a new military service, U.S. Space Forces, with the mission of space control. Wow. So, you know, this document, it was very instrumental in the Bush administration's decision-making process. They mentioned in this document Iraq 25 times. Iraq is actually the second most mentioned country in this document about who we should basically get rid of, you know, to maintain this hegemonic, um, you know, effect. Uh, Russia is mentioned 13 times. Iran is mentioned eight times. Afghanistan and Syria are only mentioned one time apiece. But guess which country is mentioned the me- the most times in this document? China. Exactly. So as far back as the year 2000, which is when I believe this document was actually written, this document is putting China as the basically the number one adversary of who the United States should worry about in the coming decades in the new century. Basically, the next 30 years, China, according to PNAC, was going to be our number one enemy. So isn't it strange that we're here in 2021, we have Space Force in place via the Trump administration, we have the internet basically locked down and sanitized, uh, you know, that's supposedly being done by the private sector, but it does seem like it's sort of coming off on the heels of all this Russian disinformation stuff, the national security state encouraging it. It seems mostly driven by the government and like DC. So the idea that that's happening now, that this internet lockdown is happening in cyberspace, we have Space Force, and China is like sort of in the US crosshairs all at the same time is very fascinating that this document talked about all this stuff about 20 years ago. So, you know, call it prescient, call it predictive. I don't know what you want to call it. One of the scariest parts about this document, the reason it became famous originally, is because this is the same document that says for this transformative change to take place, we need a catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. So their argument in the document is essentially, unless we have an event like a new Pearl Harbor and they're writing this around the year 2000, we're not going to be able to have a reason or an excuse to build up the military to this level that we want. And let me just name you some people who were involved in actually writing this document, because Project for the New American Century had a lot of signatories that didn't necessarily write papers for them or anything like that. They just signed papers. But people who are actually behind writing this document are people like Gary Schmidt, Thomas Donnelly, and Donald Kagan, the patriarch of the Kagan family are the three main people behind the document. They're the three main people in the opening credits. Now, when you get to the back of the document, they also credit as contributing writers, Paul Wolfowitz, Scooter Libby, Bill Crystal, Robert Kagan, and Fred Kagan. Of course, this is a mixture of Bush neocons and outside neocons who did the work of punditry and spreading propaganda in the media sphere. You know, you have to wonder, how did these people know that all this stuff was going to happen around the same time? And how sort of eerie is it that controlling cyberspace and outer space is sort of a simultaneous goal as part of the nine goals in this document? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. It is so uber creepy to have all of this come true. 
you know, it was bad enough when it was just the military aspect of the wars, re, you know, building up our defense forces in the wake of some quote unquote catalyzing and catastrophic event like a new Pearl Harbor. But to actually dig deeper into the document and see what's next, because it really is eerily a blueprint. And as much as people want to think the neocons went away, that they're working for the Democrats, that they hated Trump. No, it's all going according to plan. It never stopped. It never stopped. And here we are. Here we are. Like you said, the internet locked down. Now we have this UFO rollout. And just think about that, that phrase, U.S. dominance over the, quote, international commons. Isn't that kind of a contradictory phrase? This is supposed yeah. to be the commons being shared by the planet. And we need our fucking stamp on it. Of course. It's disgusting. Of course. And these are the people with the balls big enough to say it out loud and even ask for a new Pearl Harbor because they know that that's the only way they're going to get this buildup that they wanted. And wow, remarkably, they got pretty much exactly a new Pearl Harbor in the form of 9-11, not that long after. So lucky for them, that's what happened. And who knows if we would be here right now if it wasn't for 9-11. All these little things that have happened since then that have led us to this place that we're in now. We're pivoting towards China. We're seemingly hyping up the public about UFOs and making them think they're real and that they're a threat. And we're trying to lock down the internet to make QAnon disappear, to make you know certain or pretty much all conspiracies disappear, except for UFO ones being put out <laughs> by the New York Times. And then space, space force, you know. But what's interesting, yeah. you brought up a really interesting point that it's like people say, oh, the neocons are with the Democrats and whatnot. And, you know, or that big tech is with the Democrats or Silicon Valley is with the Democrats or that they're left wing or whatever. I mean, that's the trick that's that's being played on you. Look at what we've seen. Space force was created by the seemingly patriotic anti-deep state Trump administration as part of their nationalism or whatever. and then. Their apparent opposition, the sort of big tech world, the neo-libs, the anti-Russian disinformation fighters, the disinformation fighters, managed to shut down the internet. So why is it that these two goals of rebuilding America's defenses happen simultaneously, but they're seemingly from opposing forces? It kind of ma makes you sit back and think, well, actually, maybe they're not really opposing forces, and I've just been duped. Like, what happened to the idea that, like, both sides of the same coin? You know, I know that sounds really mm -hmm, cartoonish. Mm -hmm. We're getting to this headspace where it's like we imagine that somehow there's the good guys versus the bad guys. All these people are bad. And they're all probably working together in some capacity. Do you really think that Trump was, like, against Silicon Valley, that his administration was doing things that were, like, you know, against Silicon Valley censorship? No, they probably were working with Silicon Valley on a lot of stuff. You know, Trump was probably just mad that they banned his Twitter account. Uh, other than that, he couldn't give two shits. Yeah, Fortune magazine uh, surveyed the, the 500 top CEOs, or the Fortune 500 CEOs, rather, and they were asked how they politically identify, and only 4% said that they were Democrats. Wait, what? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's very odd. Hmm. It kind I mean, of flies in the face of this whole narrative, doesn't it? I mean, it does. And I, I mean, it's even hard for me to believe. That seems pretty crazy. Yeah, how much it's the opposite of how things are perceived. 
Yeah, because it's like because Disney has like some racial diversity training program now or <laughs> or that school some schools teach critical race theory or something. It's like that the that the sky is falling and all of a sudden like libs are in control of every single aspect of society. You know, it's sort of this paranoia. It's fascinating. But let me read to you some other quotes from this document because I think they're very eerie. And, you know, we don't really mm-hmm. know who's, where these quotes come from. We don't know if certain passages come from Robert Kagan. Maybe one of these ones I'm about to read you comes from our buddy Paul Wolfowitz. Maybe one of them comes from Robert Kagan's dad, Don Kagan. But each quote is kind of chilling in and of itself. This one I thought was particularly chilling. It says, although it may take several decades for the process of transformation to unfold, in time, the art of warfare on air, land, and sea will be vastly different than it is today. And combat, in quotes, likely will take place in new dimensions in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes. So I like that wow. they threw that little thing in at the end for some extra spice. It's like, world of microbes? Like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if you want to, I mean, you know, COVID's <laughs> happening right now. It's, you know, whatever. Uh, there, is, there are some weird, you know, coincidences with, with that and Operation Dark Winter. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Jesus Christ. But there's so many more uh, interesting quotes here. It says, Space dominance may become so essential to the preservation of American military preeminence that it may require a separate service. And of course, that's what happened. We got Space Force uh, under the Trump administration. It also says, Space itself will become a theater of war as nations gain access to space capabilities and come to rely on them. Further, the distinction between military and commercial space systems Combatants and non-combatants will become blurred. Information systems will become an important focus of attack, particularly for U.S. enemies seeking to short-circuit sophisticated American forces and advance forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a politically useful tool. That is a fucking crazy paragraph I just read. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but... Basically, it sounds kind of China-themed. So yeah. what are a lot of the themes happening now? A lot of these linked to China. U.S. enemies seeking to short-circuit sophisticated American forces. That's either through, like, Chinese capital, their companies, their technology, or their hacking. Uh, the idea of military and commercial space systems becoming blurred. I mean, Everything that China does, even if it's in the corporate realm, we just say is the CCP. So if anything happens in space, even from a Chinese corporation, the U.S. government's just going to automatically see it as that's the Chinese government doing something in space. So this is sort of even predicting that. I mean, they were already seeing it that way. You know, even TikTok is looked at as a Chinese government spying tool by the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another quote, international commons be a key to world power in the future. An America incapable of protecting its interests or that of its allies in space or the, quote, infosphere will find it difficult to exert global political leadership. I like how benign they make that sound. Exert global political leadership. <laughs> put a bar- put the barrel of a gun up to the head of, like, every fucking country. Yeah, and hilariously, that what that actually is going to translate into is, like, basically just sanctions in space. It's like you're not going to allow countries that are quote-unquote adversaries to like do anything in space absolutely absolutely and while this this document doesn't talk let me actually 
see if it comes up. I don't think it talks about hypersonic weapons. Yeah, the word hyper doesn't even appear in the document. So, But they do talk a lot about space-based interceptors. And this mm-hmm. is a theme that comes up over and over again in the document. They do mention space over 132 times, but they mention like space-based interceptors around like 40 times. And this is the concept that you brought up earlier, which was the strategic defense initiative Star Wars concept of shooting nukes down from directed energy, like laser beams from space, from satellites. Um, And in the document, Rebuilding America's Defenses, it also says, to be most effective, this array, global reconnaissance and targeting satellites should be linked to a global network of space-based interceptors or space-based lasers. But to be most effective, oh, sorry, to ensure America's control of space in the near term, the minimum requirements are to develop a robust capability to transport systems to space, carry on operations once there, and service and recover space systems as needed. As outlined by Space Command, carrying out this program would include a mix of reusable and expendable launch vehicles. Does that remind you of anything? I mean, that kind of sounds, I'm getting SpaceX vibes about what their rockets seem to be designed to do which is to carry yeah. large yields and be reusable. Rockets aren't usually reusable, and SpaceX makes a big deal about that. We're talking about Elon Musk's company. Yeah, I mean, SpaceX is trying to basically put satellites around the entire planet in a giant link, and it's like posed as some sort of really cool revolutionary thing that everyone should get behind because Elon Musk is like some renegade billionaire who has flamethrowers for sale. Yeah, let's talk about Starlink. Uh, in a little bit when we get to the cyberspace part. And the document continues, it says, but over the long term, maintaining control of space will inevitably require the application of force, both in space and from space, including but not limited to anti-missile defenses and defensive systems. So again, the idea of like shooting down, you know, nukes with lasers. And there's a lot of other things they talk about in regards to space force, but what I also found interesting is this, part about what they call the cyber war in their document. And there's not as much about this in the document, but it says, if outer space represents an emerging medium of warfare, then cyberspace, in particular the internet, holds similar promise and threat. And as with space, access to and use of, spy- use of cyberspace and the internet are emerging elements in global commerce, politics, and power. Any nation willing to assert, wishing to assert itself globally must take account of this other new global commons and putting that in quotes too, which is kind of dark, you know, because they, it's like, they, they're just like treating that very frivolously. They know that America needs to dominate it to keep their vision of America intact. This is interesting. The document actually says, although many concepts of cyber war have elements of science fiction about them. The role of the Defense Department in establishing control or even what security on the Internet means requires a consideration of a host of legal, moral, and political issues. There nonetheless will remain an imperative to be able to deny America and its allies' enemies the ability to disrupt or paralyze either the military or the commercial sector's computer networks. Conversely, an offensive capability could offer America's military and political leaders an invaluable tool in disabling an adversary in a decisive manner. Taken together, the prospects for space war or cyberspace war represent the truly revolutionary potential inherent in the notion of military transformation. 
And it says, but it is also clear that for the U.S. armed forces to remain preeminent and avoid an Achilles heel in the exercise of its power, they must be sure that these potential future forms of warfare favor America just as today's air, land, and sea warfare reflect United States military dominance. So, I, I mean, I think one of the scary things that I'm thinking about while reading this is that I think that this is, I think this is just like the first stage of locking down the internet and sort of mm-hmm. censoring yeah. free speech. It's creeping in from the back end. You know, once that becomes normalized, then they can, then laws can start being passed, you know, or things to just limit free speech. Even, more. I mean, even just the BDS laws being done in the States, what else can be just be done on a state level? to suppress speech, you know, and then states having control of their ISP, internet service providers in their own states to, you know, censor the internet in specific ways there. You know, it's just, um, it's kind of a chilling thought to think that this will probably continue to go in this direction. And then meanwhile, we're just hoisting up China and being like, well, look how controlled their internet is. Look how censored their internet is. You can't use this. You can't go on this. But Robbie, it's for our own good and safety. We need to have our reality sanitized for us so then we can be told by the intelligence community what to believe in. Siloed off into our own echo chambers, meanwhile be force-fed what theories are now acceptable and okay to talk about and believe in. It's a very cool reality that we're, we're heading into. Yeah, with UFOs and via also, might I add, a guy who is a Mormon, Harry Reid, who was one of the guys who pushed this first like UFO investigative you know, group in the Pentagon. Harry Reid is a Mormon and Mormons believe some of the craziest shit ever. I mean, why is it okay to talk about what Mormons believe? Like if you're a Mormon and you talk about your shit online, why is that okay? But QAnon isn't in some senses, QAnon might actually be less crazy than some of the things Mormons believe. So where do you actually draw Mm -hmm. the line? I mean, this is the problem with making these kinds of, I mean, there really aren't any distinctions made is the problem. So it's like, anything is really fair game to be censored at this point. Whitney was kicked off Patreon for something about the vaccine being, you know, potentially dangerous. So yeah, that just, I just think that goes to show how precarious this situation is right now. Oh, it's to say the least. I mean, it is really disturbing. And then when you get into the whole rolling out of the narrative of the electromagnetic weapons, the microwave weapons that they're alleging now are from Russia, right? Basically in so many words saying that these are, and China, yeah. Yeah. Which is so fascinating because when you, look, a couple of years ago, this was, I laughed this story off because this has been going on, I think since like 2017 or something where diplomats have been reporting that they are having like tinnitus and brain injuries and physically incapacitated, uh, first beginning in Cuba, and then now within the U.S., like on the White House lawn or something. Like they claim that these are energy weapons being directed at them to incapacitate them, and in some cases giving long-term, long-lasting brain damage. One really fascinating aspect of this, not only is it just peculiar that this is now being normalized, that this notion that these weapons exist and they're being used on American soil against like CIA agents and diplomats, that's bizarre enough. But what's also really funny is this, Robbie, this framing from The Guardian, that the U.S. made such a weapon, a prototype of such a weapon for the Marine Corps in 2004, 
this weapon was codenamed Medusa, intended to be small enough to fit in a car. Exactly the same thing that they're saying, like a temporarily incapacitating effect. Um, and here's what they say. This is hilarious. It's like, but there's no evidence that this was taken beyond the prototype phase. Um, and it's been removed from the websites that the prototype was originally on because of ethical considerations, Robbie, preventing human experimentation. Because you know how the U.S. really cares about human experimentation. And they would never morally or ethically develop a weapon that could do that. So that's why they point to Russia and possibly China, because that will not hinder the enemy evil fucking countries that we're trying to go to war with. Russia and China, literally it spells out in The Guardian that these countries will not be hindered by ethical boundaries. Isn't that fucking hilarious? It's basically propaganda. Whoever wrote this article is a government propagandist because just think about it. Use your head for a second. Of course the U.S. uses game theory to outmatch every country's military capabilities. That's the whole point of global dominance. Like, are you an idiot? Of course that's what they do. So to think that the, yeah, the U.S. might have some, let's say, um, problem getting away with doing like CRISPR gene editing like in the United States, you know, like in the private sector because it's so, uh, it's like so banned in the United States, legally speaking. But the U.S. can go to other countries and do that shit. And they do that shit all the time. That's like a normal practice. And even things like Area 51, like we were talking about earlier, what do they even do there? The EPA is not even allowed to go there. Bunch of people got cancer from breathing in like toxic smoke from burn pits, and there's rumors that they do human experimentation there. And so it's like, why do we have this naive notion that these other nations are the only ones that do human experimentation, and that and they have the edge? That's fucking ridiculous. Of course, like we wouldn't whole, let that happen. We would never let another country mm -hmm. have the edge based on some kind of ethical law that would prevent us from making a powerful weapon. You know. It's the whole narrative that, oh, we, even though that's in our past, oh, we don't do that anymore. You totally know, like just like the CIA, like stupid. we've rebranded all of these institutions to be like, oh, like, no, we don't do that anymore. Like that, that's just, that's just woven into the past, like the bad stuff that used to happen here. Like, no, you guys, this is still happening. You'd have to be a complete moron to actually not entertain that. Maybe the U.S. is doing this to the people themselves. Like, yeah, why who the is hell it? Knows? I mean, like. U.S. military soldiers have been treated as guinea pigs for decades yeah. and decades. Why do we think now it's any different? Yeah, especially coming from Cuba. It's like, does anyone really believe that the Cuban government is directing energy weapons at diplomats there? And like, I love how what? it's called Havana Syndrome. It just seems like something straight out of the Cold War, <laughs> like out of like a film noir movie, like some detect, like hard-boiled, like U.S. detective, like going to Cuba, like smoking a cigarette, like, oh man, we like Havana syndrome, like it just has such a weird, um, you know, whoever whoever marketed that shit, hats off, because that's, it works. <laughs> Wuhan virus, baby. Havana syndrome, Wuhan virus. What's next? Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about a little bit how the private sector, you know, is getting involved in this now too, how Amazon has, um, you know, space technology virgin richard branson's been really involved in space based technology for a long time i don't know how advanced the u.s's military space technology capability is you know nasa is technically a government agency and obviously they do military and weapon research as well that's been documented a lot over the years that's not anything that's even hidden um that nasa is involved in doing that kind of stuff so 
it shouldn't be a surprise that Elon Musk's SpaceX is basically a, a pretty cutting edge private partner in the military industrial complex right now. Uh, there's been all these sort of stories that have been coming out over the last few years about how SpaceX is playing all these new roles with U.S. military uh, efforts. So, for example, they've been delivering uh, weapons via their rockets for the U.S. military. So I don't even really understand how that works, like what kind of weapons they're delivering, how much you know capacity there is in those things, but they've been delivering weapons in some capacity to U.S. military installations. And I don't know which ones or where, but that's apparently what has been happening for at least a year. You already mentioned Starlink, which is a satellite-based internet array, and the U.S. military has a keen interest in basically using that exclusively for all of their communications moving forward, is just doing it all over Starlink. Kind of like how Amazon has those huge cloud storage contracts with the CIA. This is you know sort of like that, but actually worse because it's almost like uh, Elon Musk putting up satellites for the military. It's like know? a global surveillance grid too. Yeah, yeah, that's that as well. Um, Elon Musk uh, is building um, missile warning satellites for the U.S. military. So they have a contract with the U.S. military for building these, you know, sort of like the strategic defense initiative shit with, you know, not shooting down with lasers, but creating some kind of warning ping that that pings somebody on the surface if there's like a nuke in the vicinity or if it's been launched somehow. I thought we already had the technology to do that, but I guess Elon Musk is taking some kind of contract from the Pentagon to build that for them. And then also Space Force clears SpaceX to launch reused rockets for military missions. Their rockets basically can be reused, and apparently the Pentagon is like buying up all their their expended rockets to use for their own purposes. So, I just think that you know this idea that Elon Musk is some kind of renegade billionaire who's you know anti-establishment, um, and because he was like against the lockdowns, and you know he talked about COVID not being that harmful. Like people think he's like really like fucking like brave or something. I mean, he's just like any of these other people. In fact, he might even be worse because he's sort of on the cutting edge of this Space Force stuff. I mean, this is what this is all going to be for. So I think no matter where you land on the aliens thing, no matter where you land, you have to admit that this will be used as some kind of increase or escalation in the arms race, uh, some kind of excuse to dominate space. Mm -hmm. It's sad, actually, ultimately, because... I do believe that something is happening, you know, and it's just sad at the end of the day that it doesn't even matter because everything that we know about it is going to be funneled through this apparatus that we're talking about that's going to exploit our fears, use it to psychologically manipulate us, and ultimately just pursue what you've been talking about. Yeah, and, you know, who knows if... You know, in terms of this being some kind of psyop, the players in a lot of these news stories, the same cast of characters keeps coming up. Fravor, the pilot, is like we've been saying, is the most credible one. I don't think he's lying. I think he really did see what he's describing. Um, but then you have other people like Jeremy Corbell, who was this, you know, kind of Alex Jonesy style sort of griftery UFO disinfo guy who suddenly became associated with all these major 
sort of breakthrough UFO stories, including appearing with Fravor on Joe Rogan and appearing with Robert Lazar after Robert Lazar made a comeback after not talking about this stuff for a long time publicly. I mean, that's a big deal, I think. I mean, there's really only like one full-length Robert Lazar interview, you know, that's on video uh, before the Joe Rogan one. That's a pretty big deal, I think, for UFO enthusiasts um, even. And I knew enough about Robert Lazar to be like, damn, that's that's crazy that Rogan got him on and he's on with this filmmaker. In a sense, that's strange that the media is also associating themselves with this filmmaker because he can be easily discredited. I'm not going to comment too much on him as a person. I, you know, I looked at his Twitter feed and he was retweeting people like Cigar and Jetty and stuff. So his politics obviously are, seem bad to me, but I mean... <laughs> It's just weird that the media would be pushing him so much when he's so easily discredited. So much, same with Tom DeLonge. And, you know, we saw Christopher Mellon. on a, I saw him on a Washington Post Q&A basically saying that Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 Blink is what got him on this in the first place. And Christopher Mellon is admitting on that 60-minute special that he's the guy that leaked the videos to the press. Here's a Pentagon employee going on the news saying, yeah, I was the guy who leaked him. Yeah, that was me. I just, it, to me, I just, you never see that about anything you only hear about people getting arrested for like leaking classified information without you know maybe besides edward snowden who you know kind of got a, like a media buzz about him when else do you see that someone just flat out admitting they leaked a pentagon document especially a video of like things that are supposedly ufos filmed by the military that's crazy so something is odd with that i guess what i'm saying that's don't mm -hmm. take that at face value that in of itself is strange that the media is going with that and that the Pentagon is allowing that. And then you have Luis Elizondo, this guy who seems kind of like this disgruntled, he's been around the block kind of guy. He, you know, I didn't really find him super credible. He's kind of gives me a little bit of spook vibes. His dad was part of the Bay of Pigs, which is basically the attempt to overthrow Fidel Castro done by the CIA. And he's a career-long military intelligence officer, Luis Elizondo is. So he's also the, one of the main guys behind this investigative unit in the Pentagon that was researching these things. And apparently Elizondo was given permission by Christopher Mellon or he was egged on by or collaborated with Christopher Mellon to distribute these videos because I guess he's also taking credit for distributing them. And they were also part of a company with Tom DeLonge. Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, and Tom DeLonge were all part of a company until late 2000. 20. So that's just, I, I just find that odd. There's been a couple incidents where a New York Times reporter, after she interviewed Elizondo once, thought he was credible. And then the second time she started to find holes in his story and began to have doubts about some of the things he was saying. She doesn't really get into detail about what doubts she means in terms of like, is he running an op or anything like that? But I guess me, from my perspective, I would just assume that, you know, someone from the Pentagon who's coming out telling me about trying to get me to believe in UFOs could be running some kind of op of some kind and using me as a vehicle, you know, to get that out there. Although this reporter um, doesn't go into that. Her, her name is H Helen Cooper, who said that. She interviewed Elizondo back in 2017. And the Intercept a reporter by the name of Keith Clore, I don't really know anything about him, he kind of doubts what this Elizondo guy is sane as well. And he's sort of implying that, that this idea that he was like fighting against the bureaucracy at the Pentagon 
you know, and then he finally broke through and, and got his story out there seems kind of like almost concocted. He, he's, it seems like that's what he's implying in his article. So he seems to be the only like closest thing to a mainstream media reporter that I've seen actually suggesting that this could be some kind of, you know, deliberately seeded narrative, even though he's just kind of hinting at it in his article. So that's weird too. You know, it's like, why just because this guy is from the Pentagon that we should trust him? There's millions of people who are affiliated with the military, you know, like tons of people could just be like, I'm ex-military. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like there's several echelons of the military. There's several like rankings. It's like you don't need to be like a high ranking, like, cla- no. like <laughs> with access to like classified information to be like just used and to he roll was- something out or just have your own motives to go out there and just make shit up and use your credibility as a quote unquote, like ex-military official. And then just, you know, just like the QAnon stuff. It's like, just like anything with the conspiracy culture. It's like, if you are just affiliated with the military or somehow you somehow bolster the credibility of, of said conspiracy. It's interesting too, that he, I mean, he did have a pretty high opposition in terms of what he intelligence stuff he did. So so two decades, uh, he was part of basically the war on terror in Afghanistan running military intelligence operations. And then also at Guantanamo Bay's Camp 7. Torture was still taking place at Camp 7. There's so many aspects of this that we should be questioning, just the basics of it. But we should also not just be like in a complete debunker mindset either and think that like everything about it is made up. Because I do think there's just too many stories over the years and the decades that that are impossible to write off, you know, even just the, the Ruwa school alone in um, Zimbabwe, that that many students witnessed that and that 30 years later, they totally stick to their stories. I mean, you just really can't completely write that off. Mm -hmm. Like Reagan's account of the UFO back in the sixties. It's like, this was something that people are seeing today. And it's like the same type of thing that darts off in an instant that defies what we see as like the laws of physics here. It's like, even if that were advanced military technology, it just seems like so far off from even what we know is possible today, you know, like 60 years later, it's just strange. It's also strange if this, the military is just wanting people to know that there is this unexplained thing out there. That's strange too. Why would they want people? Why would they like, it would, it would actually be in their, to their advantage to some degree to hide it. But if, but then again, I mean, we're talking about the space force stuff for the past 20 to 30 minutes. That could be a huge reason for it to generate a a reason to militarize space. It's, it's kind of the perfect impetus, I think, to do that. For our best interest. Yeah. Not just for the U S interest, even for the globe, for the interest of the globe. It's like, we're protecting ourselves from potential invaders on our planet. I mean, it does sound like it's a sci-fi movie that already is there. They're already telling us these things are real. Yeah, we're just reading between the lines. I mean, this is this is what they're saying. Yeah. And this is what they will be saying more and more. And really, all of this is just so confusing. And maybe we are just living in a simulation, Robbie. Maybe this really is the Matrix. Yeah, um, maybe life is just a dream and Cigar and Jetty isn't real. Um, maybe he's just a figment of my imagination, but I did see a clip of him saying that, that the people saying that the UFO news is just some kind of psychological trick to get, um, funding for space force 
are completely off, that they don't need more money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and he's trying, his argument is that he thinks these are real and unexplained and it's scary and we should take it seriously. He's not trying to say necessarily, like he wasn't leaning too hard on the China-Russia angle, but it's like, it's not mutually exclusive. Let's pick apart his the argument he's making. Like we've been saying, even if these are unexplained phenomenon that the military doesn't know what they are, this is still being used as a psychological ploy to get more funding for more advanced weapons and potential militarization of space. I think that that's pretty obvious and that's the direction that it's going to go into. So I think that his argument is it's not a mutually exclusive thing. It can be both. So mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much it, Abby. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. It's been it's been a doozy, Robbie. Had to get that word in there. It's been a fucking doozy. Yes, it has. It's been and it's just been really fascinating to dive into this and to unpack it all. We were obsessed with the X-Files when we were kids and it's just always been part of our reality, you know, just like the this idea, this kind of abstract notion of aliens and um I I consider us pretty level-headed people, deep critical thinkers, but it is just something that is happening that when you really think about it, it is just absolutely terrifying because we don't know and we'll never know. And Robbie, the truth is out there, but I don't think we're ever going to get it. Yep. Trust no one. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I mean, the UFO stuff is genuinely, I mean, even if it's all completely made up, you know, let's just say it is, it is some of the most terrifying modern like kind of horror folklore stuff, especially like abduction stories, you know, in our in our culture. To me at least, that's what it is. And I'll just leave people with this interesting little tidbit in researching the Freemasonic History of the United States episodes uh this the series for Media Roots Radio. I stumbled upon a drawing uh, done by Alistair Crowley. I think he did it sometime in the nineteen 19- 20s, I want to say. And the drawing is supposedly of a deity he saw in a trance state called Lamb, L-A-M. And the deity that he draws in this booklet looks very, very similar to a gray. The actual image of this alien or whatever creature or deity this is looks extremely, remarkably similar to what we culturally know as a gray alien today. Um, It's pretty creepy just to see that it's technically the first you know drawing that we know of that looks like exactly like a you know culturally stereotypical gray but what's even weirder about it abby is that it looks actually like alistair crowley erased what his original drawing was which was a much bigger almond-eyed version of it and for some reason i don't know why he decided to just alter it a little bit to make it look more human-like but the original drawing that it looks like under where he like where he erased looks more like a very typical gray with a giant almond eye. So kind of a mystery could be just a coincidence, but if there is some kind of interdimensional plane out there, then who knows what, if you can access it just from (laughs) your, you know, going into some kind of mental state, meditation, whatever, trance state, drug state. (laughs) Beam me up, Scotty. Give me that DMT boost. I want it. I want to get some of that Deemsters, I want the drip. I want the drip, dude. Give me the fucking gray. <laughs> what a fucking trip, man. It's 
I mean, you could talk about this forever. And honestly, I'd love your comments uh, for people who are listening. If you've been following this, please leave us a comment on SoundCloud, iTunes, or just tweet at us or email us and just tell us what you think because it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know? And it's just, I guess the part that drives the fascination is just knowing that we actually will never know. And just the more I hear, the more confused I am, honestly. And it just keeps getting weirder. And I think it's just going to keep getting fucking weirder. Yeah. And who knows how the government is going to exploit, you know, if they're already exploiting this, um, and it seems like they are, uh, there's some kind of limited hangout, regardless of how you look at it. Who knows how they're going to exploit other strange, unexplained, or very, you know, mind-blowing advancements in technology, like, like machine learning, just this deep fake stuff. I mean, even that oh, is God, creepy. Dude. What is already capable with that technology is, is starting to really creep me out at an accelerated rate. It's really shocking. So you combine that with, you know, all this other stuff we're talking about and you got, you're in for some really weird shit that like even no sci-fi writer on the planet ever like envisioned. Yeah. It's a really abstract yep. stuff on the horizon. And unfortunately, it's all going to be used for dystopian means. Oh, of course. Instead of utopian vision of what we can actually do to cooperate with each other. Because it's all about instating global dominance, baby. Violating the commons and taking it as our own. Well, That's yeah. the way and we do it, like, baby, here in America. Just like Yasha Levine says in his book, I mean, the internet was created originally as like a basically a military weapon. It was used as something for the U.S. military. So... They made it, and now they got to control it. Just got to lock it all down. Lock it all down. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Media Roots Radio. If you liked what you heard on today's podcast, please consider donating $5.00 a month or per creation that gives you access to our bonus episode one bonus episode per month exclusively for our five dollar and up patrons and we're doing a freemasonic history series right now as our bonus episodes and other episodes as well go to patreon.com slash media roots radio and thanks for listening everybody take care